This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And good morning. I'm Lisa Graham coming to you from Watsika, Illinois. And you are listening to a special heavy horse episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network presented by the Draft Horse Journal for May 4th, 2017. Our episode today is number 1690. This episode is brought to you by the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. Good morning, heavy horse world. Good morning. As I promised, we are going to have a class that is second to none. We are going to be bringing in the Clydesdales, the Belgians, and the Percherons in the arena. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. We appreciate you being here. And we had a perfect connection with Lisa. So her she'd be on the mic and sound all pretty. And then I don't know what happened right before the show, about two minutes before her connection went south. But you are having bad storms there again in Indiana, right? Well, yep. In Illinois, we're having bad storms. It's raining. It's windy. It's cold. It feels like it's about Oh, I'd say in October, end of October day here instead of spring. It's pretty ugly out there today. So, again, we start this show. We, you and I do our pre-show early in the morning and everything's good. And then literally two minutes before we go on air, it goes south real quick. So well, I'm glad that you are able to improvise with us. <laughs> you have a satellite connection and that, uh, that always goes south during weather. So I don't know. And plus, you guys don't need any more rain there. <laughs> no, no, it, it's pretty bad. And. You know, I feel bad for the, the local farmers who already had their crops and they are now swimming because, you know, I think when we were in St. Louis last week, I think they, they had about 11 inches of rain while we were there. Wow. So, yeah, Mother Nature is kind of showing her ugly side this, this spring, but I guess it just makes for good hay production. That's, what, that's the positive we're going to take out of it. We are doing the Draft Horse episode today. And Jennifer, what is coming up? We have a lot going on. Coming up on today's show, we're going to start out with Jim Hilgendorf from Shipshawana Trailer Sales and Service. He's going to talk a little bit about traveling with your horse and hauling heavy horses in particular. Are there any special needs? We'll find out. Next up, Brian Smith from Oyster River Wine Growers is going to tell us all about growing great wine grapes. And my favorite part, he's going to talk about the wine club. This is the W-I-N-E kind. And then wrapping (laughs) things up. Diana, <laughs> Diana Marquette from Shining Stars Percherons is going to talk all about rising through the ranks from being a non-horse person to being a champion. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. That's one of the cool things about our sport is you can do that. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what age you are. Most sports, you have to be 12 to 20 to be able to rise through the ranks, right? Uh, well, I always say Diana's like a Cinderella story. She didn't grow up with horses. She saw them. She had a dream. And there's a world champion six-horse hitch in her barn now. So really kind of is a is a Cinderella story. 
It really is, considering that it's not just one horse either. It's six. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a little different than most of the other disciplines too, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, like I said, we have a great show. And every, every time I get our production notes in the middle of the month to see who's coming on, it's exciting because in, in my world, I get to see these people at all the shows and the events and sales, but to get them picked out one by one to highlight them and what they do for our industry and, and how they support our industry. It's, it's just a, it's just neat. And I, I can't thank uh, horses in the morning enough for bringing the draft horses into your world, but there was something that I wanted to, to visit with you a little bit about. I just was getting home over the week from the National Clydesdale Sale. And I know that they have been a major sponsor and doing a lot of promotion to get people interested in the sale. But let me tell you, this was a sale to never be forgotten. We set some records in different aspects. We, we had some big selling horses. Top selling mare was $45,000. And you can tell that these Clydesdale people are gearing up for that World Clydesdale show that's coming in October of next year. Because if you had a horse that was broke, that was fit, that was good confirmation, the average was the averages were, were up. And I think people are just excited and gearing up for that World Clydesdale show. So lots of things happening. We always say it for the Clydesdales, their sale is more than a sale. It's like a gathering of friends, whether they're new friends, old friends, people that you're maybe media friends with on Facebook, you finally get to meet them in person. It, it was, it was just an amazing week. And literally most of us got there Tuesday or Wednesday and we came home on Sunday. So it's, it's a week's vacation with your Clydesdales and some of your closest friends. Now, did you buy or sell horses or both? Well, <laughs> I, my son and I actually went, uh, he had a mare that was going to the sale and at 17, it was his first time to, take his own horse there so that was exciting but the more funnier part was i took the clydesdale store of course this is this is our biggest promo of the year going in front of all of our clydesdale people yeah these are your people these are your buyers these are yeah that's my tribe (laughs) but in the trailer we counted that we had about 98 rubbermaid totes full of merchandise and then we had the one horse and my son just no, that really wasn't flying with him too much because he didn't think it should be. It should be the opposite. We should have a trailer full of horses and a few clothes. But so I was kind of busy there. I, I had the store set up, which was a huge success, and and we did sell a horse. We brought a we bought one, brought a horse home. So I think with a seventeen year old, I'm I'm really kind of getting myself into the the rolling ball effect of of the draft horse industry. And uh, so was there. Was there, and you had an auction too, by the way, and I, I have to give you kudos. Uh, you kind of spearhead an auction there. Tell everybody a little about that because uh, uh, it was a success too. It, it was huge. And each year during the National Clydesdale sale, we have Anheuser-Busch, the good folks at Budweiser, sponsor an evening of appetizers and get-together. It's, it's a very semi-formal gathering of people. It's a happy hour um, Budweiser does all the work, you know, to get the food ready and supply the refreshments. And then before we lead into the evening, we have a charity auction. And I've been doing this, oh, about 16 years. I'm, I'm thinking it's been about 16 years. And my good friend, Dr. Linda Harmon, came on board with me a few years ago. And, and we've just been working in each year, whether it's to help our association or to help 
a cause, we do this charity auction. And this year, everything that we auctioned off on Friday was going to benefit the World Clydesdale Show. So we had some real unique items, and the Clydesdale people came out in full force to help us. And uh, would you believe we made over $80,000 at our charity auction? Yeah. So we were very humble. Dr. Well, Lynn most and I charity auctions will make 10000 <laughs> No, no, we, we did some good. We did, we did extremely well and we helped support some causes. We did have some items that all the proceeds went to the American Cancer Society. So we, we did our part to support the fight. And we also have a class that's going to be in the World Clydesdale Show. It's called um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And we sold some items with, that are going to benefit the Make-A-Wish class. And, you know, we just had a tremendous show. And we have fun. Uh, Andy White, our auctioneer, comes in. And, and he and the ring crew, you just never know what to expect. And if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. It, it was just an exciting evening. And we did get to introduce our key sponsor, our title sponsor. We introduced Victoria McCullough. She's from your neck of the wood, from Florida. She uh, is the owner of Chesapeake Petroleum, and she came on board as the title sponsor for our World Clydesdale Show. So her donations are going to help promote our breed and to help support our exhibitors and our breeders. So we want to give a big shout out to Victoria as well. So it, it was kind of a very interesting week. We, we sold horses, we sold merchandise, and like I said, the best part is all the friends coming together. And so we're just down the road from, from Budweiser. Anheuser-Busch works their tails off to put on a first-class event, whether it's from the appearance of the arena or the horses that they can sign. We couldn't do it without the good folks at Budweiser, Dave and, well, and his crew. And, you know, it, it was just a great week. And we did even support. We had new this year was our riding horse. How impressive to come up to an event riding a Clydesdale. So, you know, Sierra worked hard on getting the riding horses into our event and we had a stallion row if you wanted to come in and see different stallions that are out there available to either live cover or to ship from they had their display so i can't i just can't say enough what a successful week it was in st louis now do do you remember what the high uh sale horse was oh yeah i was on the block it was it was a beautiful clydesdale mare and she sold for forty five thousand dollars and I can almost promise you she is she is gonna be a lead horse deluxe at the world show. We're gonna we're gonna see her at the world show. Um top stallion was just over eight thousand and the top gelding was almost twenty thousand. It it rang the bell at eighteen five. So you can see the market what was market's the, pretty alive out there. So so what was the um you know, usually at these auctions we've been to a lot of them, yeah, the yearlings and the 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 two-year-olds will bring will go much lower in price because they're not trained. Is that the same at this kind of sales, or different with the draft horses? You know, it's a little different because when you're, they're coming in as the yearlings and the two-year-olds, they're going to go either way. They're going to be stallions or they're going to be geldings. And when we're just a year away from that World Clydesdale show, if you have a nice two-year-old stud it's not too early for him to be in a hitch when we come to the world show. So prices, yes, are somewhat smaller, but on the average, uh, the client sales are, they're just booming no matter what age they are. Well, that's good to hear. It's good to hear that for the horse industry as a whole too, you know, because we did, we had the thoroughbred sale here at OBS and it's one of the big 
youngster thoroughbred sales, racing thoroughbreds, and they set all kinds of records here last week. You know, oh, that's awesome. So, so the, yeah, it's probably a little warmer down there. Yeah, we hit 93 yesterday, so yes is the answer to my question. It's a little yeah, warmer. We didn't even break we didn't even break 50 yesterday. Well, we're going to take a break for Ship Shawana Harness, one of our terrific sponsors, and then we're coming back with Ship Shawana Trailer. It's all about Ship Shawana in the next couple of minutes, and we have Jim joining us from Ship Shawana Trailer, who we got to meet when we were at the World Percheron Congress, and apparently he also is friends with one of our hosts, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. We'll be right back. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies in the heart of draft horse country in Shipshawana, Indiana, is your source for everything draft horse. Their large inventory of in-house crafted harness, halters, and show bridles, showtime blankets, sweats, wagons, and carts, horse care products, and even shoeing supplies will fill the needs of the heavy horse hobbyist, the horse farmer, the heavy horse exhibitor, and the horse pulling competitor. You can find them online at ShipshawanaHarness.com, as well as on Facebook at Shipshawana Harness. Or you can give them a call at 260-768-7254. Just ask for Bob. Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, your source for everything draft horse. Well, we are back here at uh, Horses in the Morning, and we have a Jim coming up next. You want to introduce him? Oh, I think I've officially lost Lisa altogether now, so <laughs> we're going to try and get Lisa back here. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Jennifer, can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear, but I did that, didn't there for a few seconds back. So, do we have our guest? Can um, we hear Jim? Yeah, well, I'm let's, here. Hey, Jim, how are There's you? Jim, <laughs> I Good. think I think right at that moment we lost Lisa's having terrible storms out there, and we've we've had to resort to calling her cell. We can't get her on the system. So, um, and you're probably in that same boat, aren't you? You're in Indiana. Well, we're we're yesterday was a great uh, day. Today it's. Rainy, and I don't know if we'll hit 45, 50 degrees. So oh, you definitely have the advantage down there. Yeah, we definitely do. And, and well, I, Welcome to my world. There she's back. Oh, good. Good to have you back. <laughs> hey, uh, before we get started, Jim is with Shipshawana Trailer Sales and Service in Shipshawana, Indiana. And we had the pleasure of speaking with you at the World Percheron Congress on our show. Uh, I, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> Doctor, and and I, I, I'm supposed to say hello to you from Dr. Wendy, uh, who you, Dr. Wendy Ying, who apparently you know and, and uh, who was along oh, sure. on that yeah. trip. Yeah. So, uh, right. She, okay. Now I remember. You yes. Okay. So she said hello. Good. Thanks. Well, 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 I got to spend some time with Jim last week, as, as we just talked about at that National Clydesdale event. Jim and his crew are always steady at all of the sales and, and the major events, but it's kind of nice to get to know Jim in a different context other than standing at the trailer sales. And, and I learn something every time I talk to our exhibitors, but Jim, I didn't know that your, your father was a farm radio broadcaster. Uh, yes, that was um, in Minneapolis, WCCO. 
Isn't that, I think those that's, dates that's were probably, yeah, about 53 to 1965 or 66. So oh. it's been quite a that's few years. Very interesting. That. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I put a trivia, I put a trivia question out on our Facebook the other day, and I wanted to know if anybody remembered what hitches that you actually drove for and the assortment of, of draft horses that you worked for. And instantly I, I had a winner because I don't know that it's ever been done before, but you have been an exhibitor and an exhibition driver, and you worked for the Coors Belgian Hitch, the Heinz Pertrin Hitch, and the Budweiser Clydesdales. So so you've kind of come into this full circle. You've worked with all the major draft breeds, and I just, you know, I have to ask, is there a favorite? Is there a favorite breed for, for you? Oh, I, I think probably, you know, I spent most time with the Belgians. Um, right. about, I think that lasted eight years with, with Coors and then two years with Heinz and five with, uh, Budweiser. And so, and you know, the Belgians are, uh, at that time, and we had a big, powerful bunch, uh, that towed that 6,500 pound wagon around. Okay. And if anybody ever saw our exhibitions, you'd see that I would do it differently when we did the docking. You know, I would back the trailer from the center of the ring back to the wall. And that takes a pretty good wheel team, okay? Exactly. Um, yeah, the, and the Perkins are getting to be a little more coachy. Uh, and the Clydes, of course, you can't, you just can't beat, you know, uh, eight bay Clydes with four white socks and a red beer wagon. Right. So, so did, did, that, did they all a lot of fun. Did they take you around? Did your family, did you move from state to state, or or was it something oh, no. that, no, that Colo- you did? We spent, our, we spent our entire time with Coors in Colorado, and then after that was mm-hmm. over, we sold the ranch and moved again back into Indiana. And that's when I uh, had sold some of my equipment to John Dreyer at uh, Heinz, and then we helped him for a couple of years uh, as we rebuilt the crew and rebuilt the town. Uh, the whore of the team, um, mm-hmm. and then I spent uh, five years with uh, uh, the Budweiser Clydesdales, and that was all. We were living here, but then I traveled, so I was gone. Oh, I would say three hundred, about three hundred plus days a year for five years. Wow, takes a dedicated lady at home. I I know Miss Jan's always supportive. I get to see her at at some of some of the shows, but. It does take a lot of dedication to be away from your home and your family yeah, we, for that many days. Yeah, we did. And the kids uh, would come out. Uh, Dan would come out. You know, we never went more than probably three weeks. You know, it'd be a, a long time. And then we'd spend a few days, right. whether they came to where I was or I would finally get a day off. <laughs> right. Well, and come back. so did that all Did that all kind of lead into starting the Shipshawana Harness and Supplies? Because I know... Bob is in charge of that division now, but that is actually something that you started, you created. When I left uh, Budweiser in 95, I thought, hmm, what are we going to do now? Well, I had uh, gotten back into the convenience store business just before I went to Budweiser, and we sold that. I thought, well, you know, I've built a few trailers over the years and stuff. I kind of like that business. And as I'd travel, I'd see the, the quarter horse world and and see the uh, uh, 
they were standardizing trailers, you know. If you look at one today, all the trailers are pretty much the same size as far as the horse part goes. And we didn't have that in, in the draft horse. And I thought, boy, you know, after building the semis and working for Budweiser, and uh, it, you couldn't get easier. So I started uh, that venture here at the end of 95 and when I came home and I've uh, been doing that ever since and we've gone from the stock trailers and the plywood panels and so forth to the getting some standardization now in hauling especially in the semis uh, the big goosenecks where we got the stall dividers and you know the button breast bars and separating the horses and being able to walk in every horse uh, while you're loaded uh, instead of crawling over the top, and uh, it's come a, it's come a long way. So, wow. Wow. and so when you slowly started getting into selling more of the equipment, and everything, the word Leon kind of comes into play because when people in the U.S. and the draft horse industry think of the Leon carriages, they instantly think of you. Tell me how the Leons are, or maybe describe for our listeners what a Leon actually is because to me i know it's the cadillac of wagons in our industry but that is a major part of your business now as well selling the leons well that has to be you know lots of times things happen and they happen by accident and that was one that happened by accident uh they were trying chester was in uh Weber was in Europe trying to develop a carriage with one of those companies and kind of taking his competition vehicle and modifying it. And this is what they came up with. And uh, we have been doing that for about 12 years now. It's a most unique carriage. And and uh, now the new thing with that Leon is to get it just a little, a little longer for people to haul more people and a little higher so they can, some people want to drive a six-horse hitch on it. Uh, it it's just unique. It's air ride, comfortable, uh, it can be used for braking and training horses, just used for pleasure driving, uh, and it's been a tremendous success. As a matter of fact, we have a container coming in tomorrow, and we'll have six more, which uh, all but one of those are already sold, so... Um, the, the, and the more you get them out there, the more the people see them, the more they want them, and it just rolls and rolls. <laughs> so we're and in the come. middle of the country, and, and it's so easy for us. You know, we've got them in Florida. We've got them in San Diego. We've got them in Grand Prairie, Alberta. We've got them in Nova Scotia. So there's always somebody going somewhere. You can get a ride. If you buy a Leon, we'll, we'll make sure somehow we'll get it to you. And when I go to the sales and I see your display set up, you always have a couple Leons with you. Do you ever come home with any? Uh, We did a little swapping and switching down at the sale this last week. Uh, Generally speaking, we'll have one or two sold we take along, one or two to take along that that are for sale yet. And generally, I would say 50, 75% of the time, uh, we'll sell them before we come home. Or we'll have to bring them home and then deliver them. They might have flown in from uh, New Hampshire uh, for a sale and didn't bring a trailer. And if we can't find anybody going, we, then we ship it when we get uh, when we get back home. Right. 
Well, well, when we talk about draft horses, and, and I know that you've been active in our industry for over 40 years. When you started in 1978, you bought your first team. And, and what was your first team? Uh, well, yeah, it's funny. I thought I was buying a pair of Belgians. <laughs> I had them three years. I took them back to Waverly to sell because I bought some bigger horses and started getting involved because of the National Western. I took them back. A guy walked up to me and says, hey, he says, uh, how do you like Pat and Mike? I looked at him. I'd never met him. He says, well, I raised them. He said, I bet you thought they were Belgians. Well, they were actually Sorrel Pertrans. And uh, <laughs> so we got that in a little team, you know, 16-2 at the max. And we had a lot of fun just with those two. You know, I had a neighbor, and he had about 300 head of cattle, and I took him down there for a whole winter, and we'd feed cattle every morning and uh, do a little trail riding. Uh, we even did a parade with an old wagon with him in for Denver for the St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> wow. So, so do you have horses on, on your farm sold. now? Two. <laughs> We kind of shrunk. We went from the big horses. Uh, we've gone down to crossbreds where they're Perch and Morgan cross horses. And a little easier to handle. Uh, uh, they're probably uh, uh, they're more what we would need for what we're doing. Because what we're doing is trail riding. We go to Florida. We go to Ocala. Uh, we got 50,000 acres of the Gothi Forest to drive in. Uh, we're getting ready to go on a trip this fall. Uh, six of us with our Leons uh, to uh, out to Custer, uh, South Dakota, and then on to uh, Missoula, Montana, and drive in the Bitterroot Mountains. So we're looking forward to that. Wow, perfect. So you you know we we always like to hear the funny side of every business, and you've made a career selling from horses to equipment, trailers, Leon. What is one of the funniest things that you've had to sell, or or, you know, something that you find very hard to sell, but the public loves it. Do you, do you have any items out there that are just a fun item to try to sell? Ah, the Leon's for server. Um, I I would say probably creating the big custom semis, uh, like the one we uh, just had down at the uh, Clyde sale. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're uh, you know, a lot of work and really... Uh, gratifying to do those. The hardest one has been is trying to convert the uh, draft horse world into these four horse trailers uh, and moving away from, oh, I can get one more in. You know, the horse has to have enough room and be able to get at them and being able to tell people that, hey, these horses got to ride comfortable. So, you know, when they come off that trailer, they're relaxed. They're going to perform better. That's the hardest the hardest thing to do in in the small horse world it's it's cut and dry those those uh, sizes of those trailers are basically the same sure one might have a 15 foot living quarters and one might have a 10 but the horse compartments and the and the size of the dividers and, and so forth are all standard and that's what we're trying to accomplish uh, i think here with uh, right now with the draft horse world and, and it's coming along good it really has. Uh, I had a couple of people. I was really surprised that they were ready to step up and uh, move into these type of trailers uh, because they're not inexpensive. You know, 
the more we do, the more comfort for the horses, uh, it's going to cost more. So any unique, I've had so many unique experiences, I couldn't tell you which one's the worst. Well, and one thing that I can can think of is you are so much more than sales because you are at all of the events. If people have questions or problems, they can come talk to you and, and, and get your opinion, get your advice. I bought a trailer from you in February, and I can just say the service was second to none. You had it delivered to my place. And even this week when I called you and said, hey, what about these hubs? You you made me feel like everything's okay. And then I called again, where's the light switch? You know, I just want to say that your your service is just as well as your sales at Shipshawana Harness and or at Shipshawana Trailers because you are a face that's in the industry all the time. People can come visit with you and, and questions. And you not only sell new equipment, you sell used equipment as well. So it seems like there's that's something right. in everyone's price range. Everybody's price range, that's right. You know, and, and we, we can, you know, I'm not condemning the, you know, the stock trailer and hang a plywood panel. That's certainly better than crowding them in with nothing between them. You know, it's pretty easy for them, you know, if you got to hit the brakes for them to step on each other, you know, and uh, so forth, which uh, the newer trailers provide. Uh, so it, it's still, we we sell uh, uh, a number of used trailers this week already, um, but uh, those were pretty much for light horses and one draft horse trailer. I think I think you so said we, earlier, too, one of, service, one of the advantages you have is you're in the middle of the country, right? So anybody can get to you. If, right, yeah. absolutely. There's yeah. no question about it. Yeah, that's a big well, advantage. one question we had a reader just—I have a reader that just texted me and said, "Ask him his opinion on hauling horses. How long, when they're in a trailer, do you feel that they should be trucked? So, do you have any advice well, for somebody that's going to load up, I, say, in Indiana and, and go to Iowa, or go on to somebody place well, in Denver?" I think uh, now there, there again, it depends on that trailer. If you're going to load them in that air ride semi, you can, as long as you can stop, let them relax get their feet under them a little bit. Uh, they don't even know they're off the ground, basically. But, uh, when you, you could probably, go, like the racehorses, and I get a friend that goes every week from Toronto to Miami nonstop. Well, I, they stop, you know, periodically uh, for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that, but the horses don't come off the trailer. Uh, you can do that. My, I like to go 12, 6 to 6. You know, I'm figuring, and I'm not a great fan of, uh, feeding horses on the trailer. They eat in the morning at home. They eat at night at home. I don't take them off their schedule. You know, they eat at 6 in the morning at home. They eat at 6 at night at home. So when we're traveling, and uh, in my opinion, if you hang those hay bags and there's food in front of them, a horse is a beast of habit, and he gets in a habit, and then he gets all that hay all day long. He scatters it all over. He's not used to, you know, uh, being fed 24 hours a day. Uh, and it kind of throws them off their schedule. But as far as hauling, that's my theory. I like to go leave 6 in the morning and wherever I'm going, be unloaded 6 o'clock at night or 7. You know, I've gone as much as 15, 18 hours. I've gone 24 hours. But I don't like to make a habit of that. And those were always in air ride trailers. Perfect. Well, if you'd like to, to read more about Jim, the Draft Horse Journal did an excellent article on you. It was in the summer 2016 issue, again, of the Draft Horse Journal. You can give your advice there on all your options on hauling the draft horses. That was featured in the autumn 2016 issue 
Um, you can find that on the drafthorsejournal.com or again, just look in your draft horse journals because as I said, Jim, you are a very intricate part of our industry. You go to these sales, you set up, and I'm quickly learning that's the hard part of going to these events is setting everything up. You know, you, you and I have, have been in the last three sales together and you just set up a tremendous display. You and Bob work well together. And I think we just want to thank you for being such an important part of our draft horse industry. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. All right. If Take you have care. any questions okay. for Jim, you Very can good. reach him just at Ship. Yep, reach. Well, I was going to say, they can call you at Ship Shawana Trailer Sales anytime, anytime. or email you. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Thanks so much, Jim. Have a great day. Okay, Lisa. You bet. Thank you. And the website Bye. there is ShipShawanaTrailer.com is where you can find Jim, ShipShawanaTrailer.com. And we'll post a link to that in our show notes today as well. Well, we what are... We yeah. are brought what a to neat you. guy. Yeah, what he is. And I bet we we had a chance to talk to him for a good bit when we were at uh, when we were at the Percheron Congress. The Clyde Breeders of the USA is far more than a registry for the world's most famous gentle giant. The association sponsors national and regional horse shows, awarding special recognition to exhibitors of top quality U.S. bred stallions, mares, and geldings. In addition to the usual hitch and halter classes. They hold a national sale each year, offering the largest selection of Clydesdale horses. We just talked about that, and it's held in conjunction with the national uh, held in conjunction with the national sale are the association's annual meeting, the banquet, and obviously the auction, educational seminars, and more. The Clyde Breeders also sponsors a Draft Horse Youth and Novice Congress that enables people of all ages to learn about the Clydesdale draft industry. They also produce a yearly publication, the Clydesdale News, a comprehensive journal full of information to promote the Clydesdale breed. Currently serving over 800 members, the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA registers approximately 450 new horses annually. The Clydesdale Breeders is very active association is open to all people interested in the well-being and advancement of the Clydesdale. Clydesdales. They invite you to become involved in both the association and Clydesdale industry and welcome inquiries and new members. The Clydesdale Breeders of the USA is a full-service organization, and becoming a member is easy. Visit ClydesUSA.com. That's Clydes, plural, USA.com to find out more. Or just call Lisa. She knows everything there is to know about Clydesdale. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey, I have a complaint for you, by the way. Yes. Oh, Lord. Here we go. I do not have any garment that says Clydesdale on it. And you would think, after doing all these shows, one of them would have showed up my door, and I'm an extra large. Okay. Uh, just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. I get the hint loud and clear. Right. Be, watching, be watching your local post office. I have Percheron <laughs> stuff, but no Belgian and no Clydesdale stuff. I'm just saying. Well, we we can set you up. Okay, just good. Trust me. We'll I, I figured I knew somebody that prints all that stuff, you know, extra large. <laughs> I'll give you our address. I know. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, well, the I'm next... really excited about our next I'm yeah. excited about our next guest because it, it just shows our show's versatility. We talk about the hitch world, the sale world, but you're going to talk to Brian Smith and he's going to give us a whole new look at draft horses. I was reading the Draft Horse Journal a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting there reading through it, and I found this article on Oyster River Wine Growers with Brian Smith. And I I contacted Lynn over at Draft Horse Journal, and I said, if you don't get them on the Draft Horse Show, I'm getting them on one of our other shows. Because (laughs) I need to talk to this guy. What a fascinating life he leads up there in Warren, Maine. Good morning, Brian. 
Uh, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love that article, and I love reading about horses that are actually working, you know, and, and doing doing what they did 100 years ago, which is what your operation is all about. Uh, so kudos to you for that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, we had a good time uh, hanging out with Ronnie for the day. Um and she wrote a great article, yeah. There's lots of cool pictures, too. Let's talk a little bit about the operation. Well, you know, how did Oyster River wine growers come to be? Um, yeah, well, we, uh, we're up here in uh, coastal Maine, uh, the area we call Midcoast. And um, uh, I've been working in the grape and wine world for about uh, 16 years now. And uh, kind of always thought we wanted to do our own thing. Um, and uh, moved up here to Maine. Uh, my wife's from Maine and uh, wanted to come back. And so uh, we decided to give it a go up here. And it's uh, been kind of a pioneering uh, venture because there was uh, not only very little uh, grape growing. Yeah, because you have Maine, 10 or... minutes of summer. So when exactly do you grow up? <laughs> so that's... <laughs> yeah, the, the, the summer is very compact. Um, and, uh, you have yeah, fast-growing grapes, cool... you speed them up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we certainly represent the cool uh, end of a uh, growing season for uh, for grape growing, but uh, but not unlike uh, certain quite cooler summer regions of of northern uh, Europe um, as well, Champagne region, uh, maybe uh, Germany, uh, which is why we uh, decided to focus on uh, traditional method sparkling wines um, grown from our own farm. Um, well, that leads me to the question so, uh, before you yeah. go on: Does that mean that yeah. the shorter growing season provides sweeter? grapes is there a difference in the grapes that's i might be a dumb question. uh yeah typically uh, typically a shorter cooler growing season um will give us grapes with less sugar and higher acidities um okay. so we don't ripen as as much as a hotter climate will but that's what you need for sparkling wine production you need um uh, grapes with lower sugar that'll give you a little bit lower alcohol um levels uh and uh, good acidity for aging well, champagne is yeah. one of my well, Brian, favorite I have, drinks. I have so a question <laughs> for I have a question for you, Brian. Did you, were you yeah. raised with horses? Because I know your draft horse plays a vital role in your operation. But were you raised with horses at all? I was raised around horses a little bit, um, but hadn't really had much experience uh, with horses um, previous. Uh, I think uh, the idea of working really primitively had always fascinated me and trying to make things about as simple as possible. And, uh, and we were working on quite small acreage, of course, but, um, but loving the fact that, uh, you know, some people are driving through their vineyard rows with 90 horsepower tractors and I'm doing the same work with a single horse. So um, that sort of simplicity really uh, fascinates me. And what is your simple horse? Excuse me? What is your simple horse? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, we have uh, two Belgians right now, and we work them um, singly in the vineyard. Their vineyard rows are quite narrow, and the, um, and the work is not heavy, and so a single horse uh, is fine. And um, so we have an older guy who we're kind of working out of the system, and then a younger guy that is pretty much ready to take over kind of full-time in the vineyard this year. So, uh, yeah, and we're—I don't have any sort of allegiance to the Belgian breed. Um, it just feels like what we can find around here that's already trained and uh, well available, and um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, 
Do they drink champagne? <laughs> Not yet. We haven't tried. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of beer drinking horses out there. I think that yours would probably love some champagne. Let's uh, report back to me on that, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> All right, yeah. Now, what do you do with them? So, uh, weeding, obviously, right? Is that uh, the main job? And then yeah. I know, according to the article, that you also do some town stuff, some deliveries and stuff. So, tell us about that. Um. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me let me talk about the vineyard uh, quick first. But um, yeah, weeding is the primary task, and uh, organically, um, on a conventional side, uh, underneath the vines, there's always an herbicide strip, um, and so organically, we cultivate instead of uh, spraying herbicides, obviously. And so, um, it's often done with hydraulics on a tractor, arms kind of going back and forth in between the grapevines. But we do it with um, a special plows uh, kind of manufactured uh, to reach underneath the grapevines and uh, we can kind of pull it in and out as we go down the down the rows and we sort of pull pull soil away from the vines throw it back on and that's kind of our weeding um, task and we also cultivate the the centers with a walk walk behind cultivator too um, and so that's the horse's jobs and the vineyard which keeps them keeps them pretty busy but um, yeah in town we, uh, we and we don't we don't do this anymore, but we did for a few seasons, uh, kind of a um, CSA sort of model where we delivered uh, food um, by horse-drawn wagon in downtown Rockland, which is a small city nearby um, here. We worked with some other farmers and we did a mixed product uh, kind of CSA for uh, winter seasons. So everybody got a, a bottle of wine, a meat, a cheese, a loaf of bread, and a couple of vegetable um, selections. And we would deliver it to their. You wouldn't uh, deliver to Illinois, uh, would you? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Florida. <laughs> no, it's a, yeah, it's a little far. Yeah. <laughs> How far can that horse go Sounds anyway? Too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and one thing that is very intriguing and 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 interesting is that with your farming, you do not use chemical pesticides. You do not use the fertilizer. You're doing everything to help help the earth and, and to keep everything natural. So your horses, and if people were on our Facebook and saw the pictures I posted, you kind of set up some temporary fencing and, and that works as fertilizer and that works as pasture. So your farm is almost a hundred percent non-chemical. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't use any synthetic, uh, yeah, no synthetic, uh, you know, pesticides or fertilizers on the farm. We're not, we're not certified organic. Um, but, um, yeah, we uh, we also uh, manage some orchards, uh, young orchards at this point. We've planted them for uh, hard cider production, and so we pasture uh, in between the rows with temporary fencing, so we don't have to mow um, uh, with you know with a tractor and stuff. And we, uh, um, yeah, we do. Uh, luckily for our growing season, our um, the grapes that we grow are French American hybrids, which tend to be a little more disease resistant. Um, but that said, grapes typically do still need some um, fungus is, prim- is primary the, primarily the, the battle that we fight mm-hmm. um, in the, on the East Coast where it's humid and um, we get summer rains and stuff. But, we, um, but they're totally manageable with uh, organic, um, organically approved fungicides. Yeah. Um, so, you, you talk yeah. about a small farm, but it sounds like you have a lot going on. And, and you and your wife, Allie, seem to manage all of, all of this. So your days must start early. And you're working late into the evening. <laughs> um, yeah, somewhat. And 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 uh, we, 
I try always try to make it a balance of of personal time and and work time and and I'd say I'm about as uh, about as nine to five as a as a farmer can get. But um, but we do take on I do take on a, an apprentice or two typically uh, every season mm-hmm. um, that we either get through the uh, the Woof program worldwide opportunities on organic farms um, or sometimes through our main organic farming and gardening association does an apprenticeship program. Um, and then sometimes they just come to us uh, because of their interest in uh, you know, sustainable living or natural wine um, or that type of thing. So we, um, um, so I typically have one or two apprentices that we work that uh, live here on the farm, live with us, and um, and then work for the season for us to, in exchange for learning. So. Well, and do you feel they, they, that the, the hidden, the hidden heroes? <laughs> Absolutely. We all have those. But do you feel like the draft yeah. horses is a drawing magnet for you? Do uh, your town is small enough when people drive by, do they see the horses in the pasture? And is that, I guess it's a good marketing because it's an attraction. They they come to see the horses and, and hopefully they leave with bottles of cider or wine. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's somewhat, um, somewhat true. People are attracted to animals and, and, uh, and that sort of idyllic uh, farm vision but um we don't currently uh do a whole lot of sales right off right off the farm here we're in a r- rural community and there's not a whole lot of people cruising by not um um <laughs> but uh so we we actually sell most of we actually sell most of our wine um uh, probably about 90% uh, wholesale to distributors uh in about 10 to 12 different states now so, so that's where we and, that's where we tell, sell most of our wine well tell our listeners how they can find your wine and then you have a special wine club. Let us let us into the world of your wine club. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our wines are distributed in uh, kind of select small specialty stores and restaurants um, in lots of different states, and I think they're all uh, pretty current on our website um, and our distributors' uh, names and contact info and stuff. But we do also do a wine club uh, as well, which we. Um, it's kind of a market for us to to make creative wines, uh, different using different fermentation techniques or possibly different uh, grape varieties that we haven't worked with before. So um, everybody gets uh, three bottles uh, quarterly um, of four different wines, you know, per year, and uh, it's really kind of based around uh, our flagship wine, which is called Chaos, which is our homegrown uh, traditional method <laughs> sparkling wine, and. Uh, and then we do some fermentation experiments uh, somewhat uh, for our other uh, wines. I got to know how that name that came about. You have to explain so. that one. <laughs> Chaos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, cer- there's certainly something chaotic about the fermentation process and, and how, uh, um, you know, uh, the, wine is, uh, the wine is produced, but also all the chaos that, uh, that sort of uh, happened uh, in the process of getting where we are now, I think is... Uh, was also part of it, certainly too. So, uh, yeah. All right, Brian. I said and, I said to it, Lisa before we started that she has never sent me a Clydesdale shirt, and she owns a Clydesdale store. Um, so I'm going to throw <laughs> that out there too. I'll be sending you my address for a bottle of champagne. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh yeah, you are you a you a, a ball hat wearer, or we got some nice um, Oyster River wine growers hats. Like well, that's there. perfect. Whatever works. Uh, just attach it to a bottle oh, of champagne, yeah. okay? Uh, <laughs> well, for those listeners that don't drink alcohol, your ciders is is a major part of your of your business as well. 
<laughs> um, yes, but it is alcoholic on your, cider. On your yeah. farm? <laughs> oh, we do. Well, we have about a wow. yeah, yeah. It's it's alcoholic cider, but um, uh, yeah, made in a real tr- kind of traditional old farm style, um, all natural yeast fermentations and uh, no filtration and uh, no preservatives used in in the ciders. Um, but yeah, they are alcoholic, and we have about uh, about a hundred trees now, all uh, standard varieties uh, or standard rootstock. So there'll be big trees. Uh, which enables us to pasture in between uh, the rows. Um, and we planted mostly uh, French and English bittersweet varieties, more specifically for cider production. So, yeah. That's very cool. Wow. Sounds about, like you uh, are a busy maybe gentleman. About, maybe about, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty busy. <laughs> in the two months of the year, he can actually work. Uh, the rest. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. It is Oyster River Wine Growers. It's OysterRiverWine.com. Right. And also, if you go to the Draft Horse Journal for the spring 2017 issue, you'll find the article in there on him and, and his operation. Lots of great pictures, too. And what a, what a cool thing you're doing up there. And uh, I admire you for taking on the challenge of doing it in Warren, Maine. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, and it was a good time. All right, thanks, Brian. Take care. All right, thank you so much, Brian. All right, bye. Well, what now. a what a what a what a neat assortment of guests we get. I mean, I would have never put a correlation together with the Belgian horse and and working it in the grapevine areas, but uh, you know, it just makes sense. He, he takes us back into the days of real horsepower. Exactly. Well, speaking of which, before we get to our song, uh, Real Horsepower, you do own the Clydes. I've been busting your chops here, but you really do have a store. It's the Clydesdale store and more. And tell us what's going on there right now. Well, as, as you and I talked in our pre-show, I really don't want to do a commercial about the Clydesdale store more. I just want to put out a big thank you to everybody that supported us at, at the National Clydesdale sale. We had a tremendous show. We were humbled. We, we, we just had so many great great people come in and buy merchandise and, and give us good words. It was one year anniversary while we were there. And one exciting thing that, that I'm, I'm selling more and more of is hats for ladies, the fascinators or the full hat. And I'm hoping to make a change in the cards. I'm hoping that we're going to see a lot more ladies coming out with the hats on it and, and looking so sharp when they're driving their cart horses and their teams, because we sold about 30 hats. So in our Clydesdale industry, that's, that's a lot of hats, but Another exciting thing is I was doing our pre-show promotion and putting some things on Facebook, and I asked our listeners to share our post. And if they would share it, I would send them a gift package from the Clydesdale store and more just to help get our name out to a bigger audience. And I'm happy to tell you that we have three randomly picked winners, so they'll be getting a, a call from me and getting their package in the mail. Made in Blue from California, Amanda Rose, and I'm not quite sure where Amanda's from, and then. Heather Oxenham, and Heather is listening in from New South Wales, Australia. So those oh, three cool. are going to be getting gift packages from the Clydesdale store and more. Um, had a little, little uh, downtime with our website. Orders weren't being able to be processed through the website, so we've changed, and that will be up and running again soon. But follow us on Facebook, the Clydesdale store and more, and I try to put pictures up each and every day of, of different items that we're promoting and we're not just about Clydesdales. We have we have the Belgians and the Perturns. We have jewelry, anything in the heavy horse industry to promote it. T-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, coats, you name it, we have it. So just thanks to everyone for supporting the Clydesdale store. 
Well, terrific. And uh, you can also find him on Facebook. Just look for Clydesdale Store and more on Facebook. You'll find it there as well. We're going to take a break for a song. We're also going to try and get Lisa back <laughs> onto her uh, regular <laughs> connection here and off the phone. Uh, we'll see how the weather is cooperating. But uh, I have a little song for you from Jared Rogerson called I Got This Thing. And we'll be back with more. We're going to be talking a little bit. Uh, we're gonna, we have another guest. We're going to be talking a little bit about Shining Stars on Hitch and how she went from uh, not a horse person to a champion. We're going to be doing that in just a minute. It's been a rough ride trying to keep it together. You never know what the miles bring. I'll make by the stream. But I got this thing How about you, girl? Where you been? I never dreamed I'd see you again You look so great Yeah, we were something back then I remember how I wanted you more than anything I'd stay right here a while But I this thing I got this thing called a wedding ring and I'm wearing it with pride and I got this girl the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life and I know I'm not perfect even though she says I am she believes in me I got this thing on my left hand But it means that I'm a lucky man It's been five years Yeah, we're talking about kids Well, I won't lie Your eyes make my heart skip a beat I'd stay with you tonight Except for just one thing this thing called a wedding ring and I'm wearing it with pride and I got this girl the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life and I know I'm not perfect even though she says I am she believes in me I got this thing hey I don't have the kind I wish I still did But I thank God for someone who believes I can walk away from this I got this thing called a wedding ring And I'm wearing it with pride And I got this girl the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my whole life And I know I'm not perfect Even though she says I am She believes in me I got this thing
that's I Got This Thing by Jared Rogerson. You can find all of his music at jaredrogerson.com. And do we have Lisa? I'm here. Can you hear me? There you go. Now you need to put your phone far away from the mic. Uh, we're getting a little static. It's gone. Okay. I've thrown it. I've thrown it across the room. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> well, Whatever works. you're not the first podcaster <laughs> to say that either. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I just I was just typing the Glenn on our chat chat line. I think we should just name our show Chaos because <laughs> if it works for the wine man, it should work for our podcast. And I, this I don't is know. our everyday, Lisa. It's our everyday. I tell you. <laughs> Lord, if I had, yeah, you do deal with this every day. If I had to, I, I don't know what I'd do. I'd have a big satellite, I think, in my front yard. <laughs> we have. Uh, we're going to talk about. Well, that's one of ahead. the pleasures of doing podcasts with hosts. We have 30 hosts now or more, actually. And they're all on farms with no internet connections. You know, so that's one of the pleasures of being a podcaster in the horse world. All these other podcasters, well, you know, they all work in cities and have these T1 line or they have these, you know, fiber lines. And it's all wonderful and hunky dory. And we're going, hey, we, we're lucky we talk to them on the phone. So, <laughs> how about the World Percheron Congress? Uh, Tell us know. about that. But we're going well, we're excited to again be sponsored by the World Percheron Congress. America is once again hosting the greatest events for the world's most popular draft horse. The World Percheron Congress is returning to Iowa on October 8th through the 13th of next year at the historic Iowa State Fairgrounds to celebrate and honor the great breed's versatility, power power, athletism, and their intelligence. It will be a celebration of worldly proportions with breed ambassadors coming from South America, Australia, Great Britain, Germany, and the breed's homeland of France. Exhibitors will come from all points of North America to compete in plowing, farm team classes, horse pulls, riding, and youth classes. The Barrel racing, that's always a fun class to watch and, and just to feel the earth shattering moving underneath you. The feed team races and, as you know, a celebrity driving competition, not to mention all of the confirmation classes, the full futurity and those hitch classes, which are just giant classes, all the way from the carts to the eight. Horse hitches. The final evening will feature the second World Pertrin Congress Drive for the Cure Charity Cart Class. In recognition of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, exhibitors will turn the Jacobson Center. It will all be pink, and they will drive their carts to raise funds for the National Breast Cancer Foundation and to aid in the fight against breast cancer. Probably one of the most humbling classes that I've ever had a chance to announce was at the World Congress out in Massachusetts. That Drive for the Cure is just simply amazing. The Pertron Horse Association of America invites you and your family to come be a part of the largest gathering of Pertron draft horses anywhere, anytime. Expect to have a great time, be impressed and even awed, and count on making memories that will last you a lifetime. For more details and to buy your World Pertron Congress where, visit them on the web at www.worldpertroncongress.us and on Facebook at World Pertron Congress. Let's harness the excitement, and I think this is is going to be a show that that is going to set the bar once again in the Pertron industry. So we hope to see Glenn. I'm I'm going to give a shout out to our show manager Jane to get in contact with Glenn and, and get Glenn up there and and let him be a part of our celebrity drive part two. Uh, yeah, well, Wendy won it last time. Uh, Doctor Wendy of the Driving Radio Show and I were there and they brought us up and we did some shows from there. It was a lot of fun and Wendy won the celebrity drive and she kicked our butts. So, uh, so we're we're we would love to come back to that and I get requests to come to shows all the time and I have to say no because we don't have time. I'll make time for the Pertrons. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> it's never too early. 
to start making plans. That's right. Well, actually, we well, have to and, at this point. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So well, good. We, well, as we might move into the World Portrait and Congress, that's kind of a great lead in to our next guest because our next guest is literally just a few miles away from the Iowa State Fairgrounds. We're going to be talking with Diana Marcourt. She is of Shining Stars Pertrans, and they are in Altoona, Iowa, which literally is a five-minute drive from her place to the fairgrounds. And I know if you've been to the shows there at the Iowa State Fairground, you will see that Diana and her crew do a phenomenal job of setting up the stalls and making a beautiful display to, to honor their horses and the Shining Star Daycare. So, Diana, it is excellent to have you with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Well, I said it on my Facebook. This is you are you are such an easy guest to visit with because we're going to talk horses, kids, and a beautiful, talented lady. So you make our job very easy today. I know. I saw my comments on Facebook, and I felt like I should have <laughs> sent you like a quarter or a thank you note or something. <laughs> well, you and I have you and I have been friends for uh, for a long time, and, and I have watched you. From the first time I saw you just with a team and I was learning about what Shining Star Daycare was to now I was the announcer at that Pertrin Congress where, where you were crowned the world champion. So that growth has been phenomenal. And I know when, when we were doing our pre-show notes, Lynn Tallene from the Draft Horse Journal, he says, I know Diana is not going to agree with this or recognize this, but she really is a role model for females in our industry to say, you know what, you can do this. And, and if you have a vision and you have a goal, you too can do this. So, so we're just excited. We're excited to talk with you. And, and I'm going to go back in history a little bit and talk to you about the beginning. You were not raised with the draft horses. Where did the love for draft horses start with you? I was not raised with the horse. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. My family ran the feet and ice at the state fair for 20 some years at the Iowa state fair. And so as a little kid, I would disappear and go watch the heavy horses unload. And it's interesting because I'm going to date Robert Detweiler a little bit here, but I would go down and watch him unload with gray transportation and just think to myself, what an amazing sight. My parents always ran a trucking company and a livestock betting company. So watching those horses unload and, Seeing that aspect of it was always so interesting to me, but I did not ever imagine that I would own what I own today and do what we do today, to be honest with you. It's sometimes in looking back at it, it's amazing to me that I was crazy enough to do it and brave enough to do it. Um, so that was where it kind of started. I would watch those horses come in, and then as I started a business, I decided, you know, I think. I think I'm going to go to Waverly and buy a horse. And my cousins who have gone with me to every show that I've been to, Bob and Sharon Schoonover, like sat me down. And I think they were ready for somewhat of a committal to the crazy ward because I never owned a horse. <laughs> and I call and I say, I buy an 18-hand horse named Fred. I had no trailer to get him home in. I just had built a stall. And um, the only <laughs> the only bit that came with that horse was with the brand-new harness that I bought in Waverly and a brand-new um, Meadowbrook cart. And I could tell you stories about how that first time we hooked it when it was extremely interesting and scary. <laughs> well, that that might be for another topic in our, our discussion. But so you started with that single horse, and you you talked about your business. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about 
you work with children every day, the Shining Star Daycare Center. Uh, uh, you have a large, you are probably the largest in central Iowa. Tell us a little bit about the daycare centers. Well, there's two centers, and they sit like two minutes from each other. My building has a capacity of around 300 kids, and the other building has 145 kids. About 50 employees in one building and 26 in another. And then the farm virtually sits about six miles from there. So the kids go to the farm, and they see the farm. It's funny because we just went out and did a big set of um, obstacle games and things in the back arena, and they got the horses out and talked about different things about the horses. And so we had some new horses there, which was interesting because they hadn't really ever seen um, 110 kids before stand around them. So <laughs> it was, it's, it's, a, it's a very good business. I can tell you when you walk in every day, you don't really know what's going to happen with each day, but the kids are there and they're usually smiling at you and glad to see you. And um, it's something that I would probably never trade. Right. Well, one thing that that you and I have always talked about when you're in the arena, especially when we're at the Iowa State Fairground, you you pack the place with your supporters. And, and when Shining Stars gets announced as a winner, you can tell that that those kids have talked to their parents and said, "We're going to go to the fair and see Miss Diana." And and you have a great support group that comes to the fair. But one thing that that you and I have talked about is the correlation between working with patients with the, with the kids and the patients with the horses. And, and you said that's always been a vital part of, of teaching patients. I would describe that to be very correlated. It's interesting to me. We have kids, and I could tell you, just think looking at my day yesterday in the building, there are kids that would directly remind you of a horse in our barn, and they take a lot of time and effort. Some take... Um, a lot more time and effort um, than others do. And then you have others that are the quiet kid that needs that little bit of extra attention that wouldn't ever really demand it, but they should get it. Um, Same thing with horses. We have horses that are there that don't really ever demand anything, and you sometimes look at them and you're like, man, we should really appreciate you a lot more. You never cause us any grief. You go in that ring, you do your job, and every day I look in your stall and and you're excited to see us and and just really fulfill what you want a horse to do. And it's funny because in our training methods that we use, I think we've talked a lot about that. And poor Reese that came to work for me a year ago, he he probably wonders. I can remember us having a conversation about a horse, and um, I would tell him I always try to give the horse the benefit of the doubt. And it's the same thing with kids. You always try to give those kids the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of kids that have had a lot of scenarios thrown at them and it, oftentimes you have to sit back and look at how their head is processing that and what you can do to help them get through that day. Right, right. And great, great correlation. So we're going to talk about some championships. The National Pertern Show is, again, a show that sets the bar. Everybody's going there looking for a national title, looking, more importantly, for a good drive and, and for people to take notice. So in 2012, you make the trip to Indiana to compete in the six horse hitch competition and you come away as the national champions. You go back in 2013 and once again, you come away as the national champion six horse hitch. The following year, we all make that trip out to the far East coast. And I know for me, I thought, Oh my gosh, this is, this is a long journey out to Massachusetts. But for you, how did your, 
how did your crew and team gear up to make that trip out to Massachusetts? Oh, I can remember when they told us it was going to be in Massachusetts, and I (laughs) said, there is no way possible we're going to be able to do that. Like, that's three days. And if you know me, I start to worry like a month ahead of time before we load a horse on the trailer. I am a little bit of a nervous Nelly about that. So it was three days uh, that we traveled, um, and we laid over horses were we met Gary Miller and how and then we went out to New York and then we made our way to Massachusetts and we crossed a bridge that was the scariest bridge I've ever seen in my entire life um, <laughs> and we made it there and we we laughed because my my group that we went with were probably some of the most talented horsewomen and horsemen that you could imagine putting together like we were very blessed to have that group of people that was out there. But we had a whole semi-load of nothing but decoration. No, not semi-load. I, a small horse trailer, I'll say, of, horse, of decoration <laughs> to set up, which who in their right mind hauls out across the country. And we hauled 15 head of horses to go to take to make sure that we could cover the classes in the arena. Well, I remember your stall decorations. It looked like you transformed the stall into like a living room or a or a a bar room. It, you had a beautiful display and you, and you do that each and every day. And I think when I watch your decorations, one thing that always stands out to me is, and people probably wouldn't make sense of this, but your bathtub, you have an old oh. bathtub with a fountain coming out and, and you draw everybody's attention. And, and I can tell you a few times I've seen a few people go in that bathtub at the shows. Uh, yeah, I could tell you stories about the bathtub. <laughs> Uh, I had a, Ames Construction had a great time with me in that bathtub what time at the Iowa State <laughs> Fair. They were not very nice to me. So um, <laughs> that stall decoration thing is I think I have a pictures. piece of it to me. <laughs> yes, I can remember it well. I have to tell you, though, when I first started, I couldn't place in a class. Like, I was lucky. And the first time I ever went into the ring and they called me out in reserve, I thought I was, like, second place. I thought it meant, <laughs> oh, like, reserve grand champion. And then they all looked at me and they're like, you didn't get a ribbon. Just come get your horse out of here and come on. So I had to figure that all out. And decorating was the only thing I was decent enough at that I could try and earn a blue ribbon in the beginning. So that's <laughs> kind of how we started all of that. It's interesting to me as we look back and make our way. I I can walk into my barn where we have a lot of the trophies displayed and look back at how truly blessed I've been and and the like the career path that we've been through owning those horses and showing those horses is is it's pretty phenomenal for me to look at where we've come from and where we've where we've been so far absolutely well one thing that we're going to talk about that world perch and congress out in Massachusetts because it really when we were going to crown the world champion gelding six horse hitch, it really came down to the wire. And when I was getting the scorecards and tabulating, I literally know that it was just a a matter of points from determining the world champion and you and your crew were on the rail. What was that moment like waiting? Because for our listeners, they hooked the six three times and the scores were all averaged and tabulated and there was some ties. There was, it, it went back and forth. What was that feeling on the rail waiting to see who the ultimate winner was? Yeah, I can still envision it in my mind. It was somewhat gut wrenching to be 
very honest with you. We had hooked the first night and came out fourth. And the second, the last two nights, we won the next two nights. And then they brought us and um, Randy and Brian Thiel, driven by Brian Coleman's group in, sitting next to our hitch and two six-horse hitches sitting in the arena waiting to decide the champion. And I don't know that I've ever seen that in my entirety of two hitches brought in to decide the championship. And it was really very climatic to to actually present it that way. Um, and we came out on the top with a world championship. And I had, honestly, I had told Gary I never, ever wanted to get on the wagon for the six-horse hitch. It petrified me, to be honest. And I told him, if we win the world championship, I will actually get up there on that wagon and ride the victory lap, which I don't think I enjoyed it much because... <laughs> They put me on the edge of that seat, and I thought, oh, holy buckets, dear Lord above, this is, like, a long ways up. But what a feeling to sit there and wonder. And then, honestly, um, like I, I, I had to look at the group of horses that was standing next to us, and, and what an unbelievable set of horses. To have two sets of horses right. in there that were as talented as they were, and... Um, to be lucky enough to have the tie-breaking judge be the one to dictate that you're the winner, it was it was a pretty phenomenal feeling, I'm honestly going to say. I can re- tell you that we actually, when we look back at that year, we had a, like the year prior, we had a set of young horses and we used them for the first time. And I can remember sitting and Gary telling me, I'm, I don't think we need to put Trino and Rudy back out there. Let's just put the old lead team out there. And I said, we have to look at the light at the end of the tunnel and decide where our goal is. And if it's October of 2014, we are probably going to have to take our lumps here in Brookings, South Dakota, and throw them back in there and hopefully learn what they have to do. And I am certainly glad that we did that because those two led us the whole way, um, all three nights. And you just look back at that journey, and it's, it's, it, it kind of makes you smile was a crazy Absolutely. time getting there, to be very honest, but it really does make you smile. Absolutely. Well, and, and you've kind of touched on this. I have never, in, in all the time I've known you, I've never seen you drive in the arena. And I think that's kind of kind of funny because you you are so passionate about these horses and, and have such a drive, but you do not want to be in the cart or the wagon. Is that just a nervous or do you more enjoy sitting on the sidelines watching? Mm, it's a combination of both things, Lisa, to be honest. <laughs> I have driven one team of horses at my house, and I lost a bet to Ross Hansberger on an Iowa-Ohio State game, was supposed to drive the ladies' cart at the Iowa State Fair. And I usually, I chickened out like you cannot believe. Like, I think I was going to have a heart attack before I got in that ring. <laughs> I had practiced. Um, they would not give me what the horse that I wanted to drive because he was supposed to go in the sixth. They were going to give me a horse that's not a very good horse to drive. He was a little bit of a worm, I would describe him like. And so uh, there was no way. I am, I am not a very good person to throw out in front of people and have people judge me. And I'm somewhat of a perfectionist when, when it comes to what I like to see in the ring. Um, and... It's it's very funny because when I drove them at home, I could never under, understand. It just felt like they just wanted to, like they were powerful, okay? And, and <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, if I get in there and this horse takes off in this arena with everybody watching, 
and I literally will be, I will be a show to talk about for years. And so that is always <laughs> what is going through my mind. On the other side of it, there's nothing more than I love to sit and watch a group of horses and try and figure them out and see how they are, try to, help, try to make things better, try to figure out what would go where. I can tell you we had wars in my barn over me wanting to see a horse that they did not think would drive with another horse. And I would take them and ask them until they got so tired of me asking to finally put them out there and practice with them and do that that way. That is the part of it that I like. I have... I have had to literally figure out all I really knew about a horse was they had four legs and um, that you fed them hay, and that's all I knew when I started. And to try and figure out what these animals are, because they're so complex. When you take a 2,300-pound horse that you want to move and a similarity to a hackney pony and get them to perform like that, mm-hmm. you have to really take and try and push things on that animal to get them to where they can have that type of presence in the ring. It's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to back up a little bit and I'm going to touch on that cart class bet that you lost to Ross because I was there when they brought you in the cart, but it was not a horse pulling the cart. It was not. I felt sorry for those two because it was Gary and Ross that strapped me into the cart and they... <laughs> literally took off with me and ran me into that arena prior to the fair at the fair starting the show and they called it they called me a yelled mare and I didn't this is how bad I was I didn't even know what that was when we got out I was like how rude of you to call me a yelled mare like that's awful like that's kind of what you are is a yelled mare well, it's oh, it's always fun to see what they do. It seems like you're such a good sport that they they like to pick on you. So, but that that's a good thing. And one story that you and I have, I've heard you tell me before, you've had a lot of people that have influenced you throughout your career. And and I remember there was some older gentleman that made a trip to Canada, and they called you. I thought I thought you told me it was late at night or early in the morning. They called you and said, "We found the perfect horse for you." And I think Harold Schumacher was involved in that call. He was, it was not actually Harold, it was John Schultz and Dave Adams, I believe. And they took off to go see an old friend of theirs. If you know these two, they are like as genuine as can be. They are what I would define as the old draft horse industry that (laughs) he can't help but love. They they called me and they said... um, the way I met the way I met them was we were at Brit one time showing, and I'm cleaning harness after we had showed. And this gentleman walks up to me and he says, "I don't know who owns this hitch right here, but I just want you to tell them that I like what they put in the ring. They are forward, they are driving with their heads up, and I really like what they put in the ring." And I said, "Thanks, I really appreciate that." And that was all. I didn't tell him I was the owner or anything. And so then the guy came back and came around, and then we started talking, and then he figured out who I was. So he took my phone number, and then he called me one night, and they said, I thought something was wrong with him. They said, Diana, you have to call us. Call us. We found a horse in Canada for you. And at first I said, I told Gary and Jared, I said, we got to call and find out what this horse is. I said, they sent me a picture of him. He looks pretty good. And it actually he showed up at our farm the next year. He came from Charleswood, and they – were some of the nicest people. Um, they brought him down, and they had their two boys along, and um, 
I almost sent the horse back because the boys were crying. We paid <laughs> we paid very good money for the gelding, <laughs> but they were crying when they left the farm. But these two old boys found this horse for me, and they were nice enough to call and tell me. And um, I'm telling you, when you look back, like I would talk about Harold Schumacher as well, because he's been a person that's been instrumental to me in trying to help us along the way, like a huge help. It's You have to go back sure. to those old roots of those people. As much as things change in our industry, you still go back to those people that have been in it so long. Absolutely. And just like the old saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes an amazing crew to get these six horse hitches, the eight horse hitches moving on down the road. Let's give a shout out to your crew and and who you have working at Shining Star Trends. So Jared Hansen and Reese Mangles are in the barn every day, and Stephen Vale is in and out of there. He doesn't work for us full-time anymore, but he still comes in shoes. John and Annie Nisley come in, and they do a lot of work for us in the chiropractic realm and the shoeing realm. Bob and Sharon Schoonover have been with me forever. Like They are pretty much the foundation uh, to keeping me sane because I pace back and forth, and I get a little wound up, and... They will oftentimes, Bob will look at me and just shake his head and laugh, and then I know it's kind of time to calm down. Um, There's The Maxwell families come on and join us, and they've been like a fabulous group of people to work with. We're very blessed because I feel like you're only as good as the people around you, and even if you have the best horses in the world, you can't put a good six in the ring unless you have a good crew of people that can get along. Christina Wagner, she's another one that's always with us. It's a huge help to us. She's a veterinarian in Minnesota. She's smart. She's fun. She's, I don't know, she's, it's a very good group of people that we have. We're very blessed in that piece of it. Perfect. So any advice as we close out from going from a non-horse owner to a world champion, any advice that you can give anybody that wants to get into this draft horse industry? Don't be afraid to do it. If you are Absolutely. afraid to do it, <clears throat> do, like, push those fears aside. Because if I would have waited and waited and waited like everybody wanted me to, I would still be sitting with nothing. And in all actuality, any person can do this. There's a lot of things going to happen at the World Pertrain Congress that are set up for that single horse owner. And a lot of shows have it tailored to the single horse owner. Just don't be afraid to do it. And if you need help, there are great people out there that can help you along the way. There's some talented trainers that take people with single horses and help them get to the arena and, and get things going. And like Kelly and Jared Gardner, if I wouldn't have had them to help us and Mark Sparrow and then your Gary Miller to get me to where I am today, like all of those people, you just have to take what people can offer you and jump into it and start. Um, maybe don't buy a two-year-old that's never been anywhere or seen anything, but <laughs> go get a nice ex- experienced horse or go along to the shows with people and learn what you're doing and, and get into it. It's a, it's a fabulous thing. It will make your heart race in a way that you'll never forget. Absolutely. Well, and we, we are gearing up for that World Pertrain Congress to come back to Des Moines, and that's just down the road from you. And I, I know you play a vital part, and you're helping to promote that show. So I bet you want to send a, an invite to everybody to come to Des Moines. We do. We want you to come. We want you to see what, what will be offered because I think it's going to be a fabulous show. There are a lot of strong people that are working on this whole process right now. Andrea Detweiler and the Finance Committee have done some fabulous things that they've put together. They'll have some great <clears throat> things to offer. Um, 
in the realm of how you'll see classes presented and some great prize money there. The Percheron um, Horse Association, I sat through that board meeting last week. That's a group of talented people that are really doing a lot, and they spend a lot of time there around that table trying to figure out how to make things run as smoothly as they can. And Des Moines will be there. I think those people will come to support it. Um, the state of Iowa and the surrounding Midwest loves a good heavy horse show. So I hope people come to watch. If you've never been to a draft horse show, it'll be a phenomenal time. Some of the best hitches, I think, from United States, Canada. Um, it'll, it'll just be a, a great show that will present a lot of things in a lot of different realms. All right. Well, wonderful. We've been talking with Diana Marcourt of Shining Stars Pertrans. And Diana, again, a tremendous role model, not just for girls, but for anyone that's ever dreamed of showing draft horses. If you'd like to follow the hitch with Diana and the Shining Stars, follow them on Facebook at Shining Pertrans, and you can see pictures and see pictures of the kids interacting. Just, just a great story from somebody that started with no horse experience to a world champion. Thank you so much, Diana, for being on our show. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Diana. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, we do think about that, uh, or what you do see at shows a lot of times is people that have come from horsey families, and it's so cool to Absolutely. see somebody that hasn't and has has gone to the to the heights that she has. So that's very cool. Right. Right. And Jennifer is going to tell us a little about Penswood Percherons. It seems to be Percheron Day here. <laughs> it is Penwood. Penwood Percherons is owned and operated by Chad and Ron Nicole and is located in beautiful central Pennsylvania. Penwoods has been in the business of breeding horses for over 20 years, offering quality shipped chilled semen and on-farm artificial breeding services to some of the very best Percheron stallions in the industry. Penwoods Percherons carries some of the strongest and most successful genetics available in today's market. Their, custom, their current roster consists of several stallions that include grand champions, national champions, world champions, and those with All-American honors. Proven sires like Pleasant View King, West Wind King's Talisman, Bellevue Crown Royal, Recount, and YES Aussie, that's my favorite, are consistent producers of show winners and sale toppers. Penwood Percherons can help you achieve your breeding goals. If you're interested in breeding to a mare to or have questions about what to breed your mare to, you can find Chad and Rhonda at penwoodpercherons.com. That pen, pen singular, woods plural, and percherons plural, penwoodspercherons.com. They are truly a dedicated family to the Percheron horse, and they feel very privileged to have the opportunity to make a mark on the breed's history. That's penwoodpercherons.com. You can follow them on Facebook at penwoodpercherons. And they have upcoming heavy horse events. Woohoo! Well, thank you, Jennifer. Well, if you're looking, Green Mountain Drift. Well, yep. Uh, it, What's that? At least it's going to do the upcoming heavy horse events. But thank you to Penswood right. Percherons. Well, chaos is in the mix again here. <laughs> upcoming. <laughs> Draft Horse Events, May 6th, the Green Mountain Draft Horse Association Tack and Equipment Sale. That is out in New Haven, Vermont. May 6th is the Yoder Brothers Spring Horse and Carriage Consignment Auction in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. May 19th and the 20th is the Show Me Auction Annual Horse Carriage and Antique Auction. That is in Missouri. May 26th and 27th, the Maritime Draft Horse Sale in Frederick. 
in New Brunswick, Canada, and then moving into June, June 3rd is the Bluegrass Draft Horse and Mule Championship Poll in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So kind of have some things. This is the time of the year that everybody's gearing up for show season. And and if you're looking to update your horses or tack, it looks like we, we've got representation from all across the country here and Canada. Very good. Well, and if, of course, we wouldn't be here without the Draft Horse Journal. If you do not subscribe to the Draft Horse Journal and you're interested in the Draft Horse world, what's wrong with you? You need to go over to drafthorsejournal.com <laughs> and get your subscription today. I always look forward to You know, we get a lot of magazines here being the Horse Radio Network, and mm-hmm. there's one I read every month, and that's the Draft Horse Journal. So uh, the pictures are great, and the articles are terrific. Lynn does such a good job, and it's been around for a long time. If you're in the Draft Horse world, go over and subscribe today. It's not expensive. You can find it at drafthorsejournal.com. And of course, you have a store, the Clydesdale store and more.com, right? Absolutely, or Facebook. Right now, Facebook is the way we're, we're putting pictures up each and every day. Okay, good. And of course, uh, we are Horses in the Morning. We're here five days a week at 9 a.m. Eastern, and you can join us every single day live, or you can listen to the recorded version. The best way to do that is to get our app, our uh, our Horse Radio Network app for your phone. Go to iOS or Android App Store, search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy to use. It's the simplest way to listen to our shows, whether recorded or live. And we have 13 different shows now on the Horse Radio Network, soon to be 15. We'll be adding a couple of more over the next month, and that means that if you're listening to this for the first time today, if you just tuned in because Lisa begged you to on Facebook, you have <laughs> 6,100 episodes to catch up on. So get listening because you're way behind. Follow the Horse Radio Network also on Twitter at Horse Radio. That's it for today. We want to thank our sponsors, Shipshawana Harness and Supplies, the Clydesdale Store and more, Penswoods Percherons, the two, and the World Percheron Congress in 2018, plus the Clydesdale Breeders of the USA. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Glenn. Have a great day. All right. We'll see you, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern here on Horses in the Morning. 